Good morning. Y'all awake? Everybody awake? All right. Who is who's who's uh, thankful for Thanksgiving? Anybody? I I, I tell you, it's been it was a it was a good time for me to see to talk to family. I didn't get to see many family because Sabrina and I we just stayed home the whole time. That was amazing. Amen. Amen. I, we got to spend time together. I love that. But um, I think one of the things that that it, God really just spoke to me during this time is, is like, how many of us are busy? And Thanksgiving is a time for me just to slow down. And as I took time to slow down and really just spend time with my family and, and spend time with, with my wife and, and really just spend more time with God, like, it's crazy when you slow down how you see God in little things. My little boy, um, He's been stuck to me like glue the last three days. Just stuck to me like glue. And my wife has been enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> Don't want her as mama for nothing, but wants me for everything. And, 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 and I was like, what in, the, what in the world is this deal? What is this deal? And, and Sabrina was like, well, I mean, he misses you. You're so busy during the week, we hardly see you. And now you're home, and he don't want you to leave. And, and she said that, and it almost made me mad a little bit. But when she said that, I w I've been thinking about it all weekend, and, and last night I was spending time with God, and it was almost like God was asking me, do you miss me like Payson misses you? Do, do you yearn for me like he yearns for you? And it just broke me for a minute. Because how many times do I get caught up in circumstances and everything going on to where I'm, I'm so worried about me and I'm not focused on him? I think we just got to back up and, and be thankful for what God did, what God's done, and what God is doing in our life. Amen? And, I, and the thing is, is when we lose our awe of God, when we lose that, that desire to please Him above everything else, that's when we get in trouble. That's when we lose our focus. That's when we go to our second nature of, of self preservation, what's better for me, what helps, what makes me feel good, what gratifies me, what makes me look good, what makes me be fulfilled, and we're not worried about God. Amen? Y'all going to be quiet on me today. I see how this is going to be. And it's into those things in which I've realized that when I'm putting me first, I'm putting everybody else last. Because there is no priority. It's either God's first or God's last. And either, either my spouse is first or she's last. And there's no, there's no, a lot of times we try, well, maybe she's second. No, it's either she's first or she's last. And, and so in relationships, and one of the things I've realized is one of the, we choose to put ourselves first, what we want. We're fixing to get into something that's a hot topic, but what we want, what we desire more than anything. And so when conflict arises, when I'm not focused on Christ, it's all about me and not on the other person. It's all about me being right. It's all about me proving a point. It's all about me. Some of y'all smiling. Everybody like, oh, where are we going? So this morning we're going to be in James chapter 4. And, and, and it's like, 
One thing God's been constantly laying on my heart is that it's a huge elephant in the room because we don't want to deal with conflict. Either there's two type of people in this room. One that love it, you want to fight. You're ready for it. It, may, it gets your adrenaline pumping. You want to cause drama because it makes you feel in control. Stop looking around. All right. and, and, or, or you got the second type person that is very passive, and you do everything you can do to not have conflict. You don't want issues. You don't want drama. So if it makes you be, means that you're quiet and you're just, you're just going to take it. And neither one of those is godly. But when we are in self-preservation mode, we are, are trying to glorify ourselves and our desires instead of putting him first, right? And one of the biggest areas that I see, and I know in my own walk, is when conflict comes up, either I'm going to handle this stuff God's way or I'm going to handle it my way. And either it's I'm, I'm, I'm trying to glorify me or I'm trying to glorify God. I'm trying to make it easier on me or I'm trying to glorify God. And it's so important that in relationships, this series called Reclaim, I've, I've, we, I mean, I really feel like we have to reclaim the ground that Satan's taken from us, church. We got we to stand in the gap and say, I'm going to stand for godliness. I'm going to stand for God's word. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the woman that God's called me to be no matter what it costs me. Because I am going to stay focused, I'm going to stay driven, and I'm going to stay purpose-driven on God's Word. And when we start compromising God's Word for our feelings, we start messing things up. Amen? We need to start casting the turkey out instead of the devil this morning, because some of y'all are still in a turkey coma. Y'all with me? Come on. Let me get a little closer. Let me get a little closer. So in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, we're going to read these verses and then dive on in. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet. But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you've asked with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he may flee from you. Come here to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Let's pray. Father, I just pray, God, that your word would set on our hearts this morning. I pray that it wouldn't be like the, the, the word that's, that's spread among the path that bounces off. I pray, God, today that your word would take root, that, God, that God, you would water seeds that have been planted for years. I pray, God, that, that Lord, you would harvest seeds, harvest fruit, God, that, that Lord, has been growing. I pray, God, today that you would, uh, Lord, you just move in us, that you would help us be focused on you. 
that, God, you would help us reclaim our relationships. God, we reclaim our relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would focus us on you and not on ourselves. And, God, help us, Lord, allow our lifestyles to glorify you. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. And, and so as I read this, as I read that, one of the greatest things in the church that causes people to not want to come to church is church people. You know why? Because church people are supposed to have the best news on the planet, but we act like we don't. Amen, Jeremy. Go on with it. It's because we don't apply the gospel. What causes quarrels? What causes fighting? You know something that's going to get, make me get up and leave a fight? I don't want to get involved in drama. I hate drama. I hate those things. And, and, but, but yet we allow drama to happen in our relationships with our spouses, and it's like it's no, no big deal. If your friend's long enough, if, you have, if your family's close enough, if you live together long enough, there's going to be times in which you don't agree. And there's going to be conflict. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and then I, the thing is, I want you to understand, it's because the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes lives. Amen? Because of the gospel, and if you are a gospel-driven man or woman, if you are a man or woman who have accepted the gospel, and you are following Jesus Christ, then you have a responsibility to live out the gospel. You have a responsibility to Jesus because of his sacrifice for you to live out the gospel every day. Not just pick and choose, not clutch in and out, but do it every day. And it takes intentionality. And I think one of the things we have to realize is that handling conflict in a godly way speaks volumes. Handling conflict, handling, handling issues in a godly way is, is supposed to be in a Christian's life different from the world. And the one thing that deters the world from the church is that we try to handle conflict like the world. We want to fight. We want to get mad. We want to get angry. Sometimes we won't even want to cuss. Don't judge me. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm talking about you. I ain't talking about me. I'm playing. I'm just kidding. We want to, we want to get in, in, in each other's grill, right? Instead of, instead of really just submitting to Christ and saying, God, how do you want me to handle this situation? How should I do this? And if we want to have a God-centered marriage, if we want to have a God-centered marriage, if I want to have a God-centered relationship, then, then I need to make sure that I know how to handle conflict. Because conflict will either fuel your marriage because you will, you will learn how to, to work on things together, how to give, how to take, or it will kill your marriage. It will kill your relationship. And our relationships with each other is also a mirror image of our relationship with Christ. I want to tell you something. When I'm not spending the quality time with my wife like I should, the woman that I can see, the woman that I can spend, I spend my time with, then how am I going to spend time with God? My relationship with my wife, oftentimes I have realized, is a direct, it corresponds to my relationship with Jesus. When I'm intentional with my wife, I'm intentional with Christ. And when I'm intentional with loving her the way Christ loved the church, then I am intentional with loving Jesus. But when I am putting her to the side, I'm putting everything else above her, guess what else I'm putting to the side? Jesus. And so that's what I, it's so important that we handle things right. So, so how do we fight? Somebody's like, I wish you'd tell me. 
it's better, I can tell you better what not to do than what to do sometimes. Amen? And so how about, and, and if this is your spouse, don't call them out in church, all right? But how not to fight? Uh, first thing, don't criticize. Don't criticize. What's criticize? Don't, don't find fault. Don't find fault. We all know that one person that always got to find fault with everything. You know what I'm saying? There ain't nothing ever right. Nobody knows that person, huh? Nobody knows that. Nobody knows a, critic, a, a critic. Always got to find. Don't, don't criticize. You want to find a way to cause conflict and hurry? You be intentional with trying to criticize. Criticism, intentional criticism, is, is like you're trying to tear somebody down. There's constructive criticism, but there's criticism that, that you're trying to intentionally hurt them because you're trying to draw, draw out their insecurities. Don't do that. Don't fight with contempt. Right? Being, being disrespectful, being intentional with being dis disrespectful. Contempt mean, also means brawling, like wanting to fight. When Sabrina and I first got married, I, <laughs> all these things are, I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you, this is, this is our relationship, a lot of this. Contempt. Man, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to fight godly. I just knew how to fight the way I'd always grew up fighting, right? And so what I'd always grew up is when we got in an argument, okay. We're going to scream about this thing. We're going to holler about this thing. One day she shut the door in my face. Now, don't do that, girl. Don't do that. It will, and, and, and alcohol intensifies things sometimes. And so I, I rear back and I punch a hole in, in, our, in our trailer door. And she opens the door. What do you think you're doing? It was just like, man, it was like WWF in there, baby. It's going to get real. And we were... We, because we didn't know how to fight that way. We didn't know how, what we should do in a godly way. And so we were fighting just like our drunk buddies that didn't go to church. But we didn't go to church. We weren't saved at the moment either. Don't, don't be defensive. How about the next thing is not, not being defensive. When somebody brings something to you, don't be just so defensive. When somebody brings a complaint to you, how many times when, when our spouse comes to us, we go, I know you ain't talking to me. Huh? I know. I know you ain't saying that I got a problem. Even our relationships with friends. The first thing when somebody comes up at us with something that we've hurt them with or, 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 or an issue, we first get on the defense because we are so prideful like we wouldn't do nothing like that. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. So I don't know about y'all, but here at this church, we're supposed to be transparent. Y'all know what transparency is? Huh? All right, I'm going to be transparent. Y'all going to be transparent? All right. Some of y'all need to smile, man. It's, it's an amazing day. It's a good day. A good day in the Lord. It's amazing. Y'all with me? All right. All right. So, you see, a lot of us, we fight. When, when things get heated in the conversation, we just stonewall. We just shut down. We just shut off. Because it's easier. If I shut down... They're going to complain, then they're just going to quit. because, And it's a way of us passively just getting rid of this problem. What happens is it's going to come back. We just, we just shut off. Man, there ain't nothing that would make me matter. We'd be, in a, I'd be, we'd be in an argument, and all of a sudden she'd just shut down. I ain't talking about it no more. I was like, uh -uh, I'm going to talk about it. She's like, well, you might talk about it, but I ain't. Hold up now. Because then what happens, she just got control over the conversation, and I'm mad because I want to control the whole time. How about avoiding? Like, like, 
so many times we just avoid problems. We just avoid things hoping it's going to get better. Instead of addressing an issue, we just avoid it. We tippy-toe around it. We, we just keep walking in circles like, I know this is going to set them off, even though this is wrong. Even though that I know it might, this may potentially hurt my family, but if I say something, I know they're going to explode. So instead of addressing the issue, I'm going to walk around it. I'm going to avoid it. That's not godly. That's how the world handles problems. How about, how about, how about always being right? Never omit any fault. You're in, you're in a, you're, you're, somebody else going to be in the doghouse tonight. Just never admit fault. Like, it's always somebody else's problem. Do you know anybody that's always claiming the victim? It ain't never their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It's, 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 not, it's not my fault. I ain't done nothing. That wasn't me. That's them. I can't help. I remember talking to a guy one day, and I was like, man, I was trying to be real. I was like, man, you said something, and, man, that really bothered me. He was like, well, I can't help you took it the wrong way. I was like, man, I have a knife, and it is dull. I will cut you with this thing. It's just, I, I hate that. Because nothing will, will, will put more, more kindling on the fire than those things. How about, how about one of the things that, that causes fights more than anything is, not, is overgeneralizing the problem. Like not being specific. You try to name all this other stuff, trying to, trying to skirt around the truth, trying to be easy, and, and instead of just addressing the issue, man, when people do that to me, it confuses me. They'll start give, giving up, well, you know, like, when you did this and you did that and you did this. And before, I, like, I feel like I'm a failure. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible person. Instead of just going to the root of the problem. When you overgeneralize things, you're hitting on the symptoms instead of on the problem. And one of the last things, that, how not to fight, is don't, don't assume that your partner is a mind reader. Amen. All the men said, amen, I'm just playing. Instead, ask them what they're thinking. Instead, ask them what's going on. What, what are you thinking? What, what's going on in this situation? When somebody responds in a certain way, why, why, did you, why do you think that was okay? What was going on? Don't assume you know. Don't assume you know. When we try to, but see, the other thing is, when we try to interpret somebody else's actions, sometimes we think that they meant something for our harm, and they didn't. When we try to be mind readers and we try to, oh, I, oh, I know what they were doing. I know they were trying to do this. I know, I, I know that. that uh, uh, they ain't gonna get over on me. We put this wall up. We're angry. We're mad, and sometimes we're mad. We don't even know why we're mad. Ain't none of y'all being real this morning. I tell you. And all these things is 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 how the world fights. And as I, as, I, as, I, as I began to write this sermon, God began to lay these things on my mind because this is how we fight in the world. It, it, before we knew Christ, this is how we react. And a lot of us still knowing Christ, this is still how we react to issues. And it's killing our marriages. It's killing and there's hostility in our relationships. And if, see, either a marriage gets better or it gets bitter. And when bitterness gets into a marriage, it is hard to recover ex unless you're truly submitted to Jesus. And it's means that's why we need to know how to fight. Everything in us, church, gravitates towards sin. Everything in you, whether you are the most sanctified man or woman in here, everything in you gravitates towards sin. 
And it takes a man or woman that is totally devoted to Christ to, to move away from sin, to pursue godliness in all things. And the gospel shows us how to live in harmony with each other. See, the, the gospel promotes unity, amen? It, it promotes unity. And there should be unity in the body of Christ, but also should be a unity among believers. And if I am submitted to the gospel, that means I am a man or a woman that is, I'm pursuing peace. I'm pursuing unity. I'm not going to sit there and allow this unity to stay there. I have to be a man or a woman that is a vessel for change. And I, I, we have to, you have to understand that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21 says this. It says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to you and your conscience. We are not trying to condemn, condemn, commend ourselves to you again, but also giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we are out of our right minds, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for those who live. Should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for us and was raised from the grave. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Because of what Jesus did, everything in us should gravitate toward pleasing him. That means there's no self-preservation. That means that I, I can't stand if I'm right. I need to make sure that, that there's unity in a relationship. If I am a man or a woman of God, I have to pursue unity. I, have to pursue, I can't just sit back and, and hope things are going to work itself out. I have to be someone that is active. Amen? And it continues, why, 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 because of this, because in verse 18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Church, I'm telling you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he reconciled us to God, so it is our job, he gave us all of us, not just me, the ministry of reconciliation. So because of what Christ did, it is our job to reconcile relationships. And no amen on that. But yet we want to just throw the blame off on everybody else. We, we, want, we, want, we don't want to take responsibility for issues. And God says, look, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did, then we have to pursue reconciliation. In, in Colossians chapter 3, we're bouncing all over the Bible, but this is some things God's been showing me. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 says this, says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Ooh, some of us need to put that on every day. Amen. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together 
in perfect unity. Church, I'm telling you, when you think about dealing with, when I think about dealing with, with, with issues, dealing with, um, with really just with conflict, I, we have to put on the qualities that Christ has given us. We have to put on intentionally love, intentionally be kind, intentionally be compassionate, intentionally be put on humility. What is humility? When we, we put ourselves less, we have to intentionally be gentle toward other people. We have to intentionally be patient. I have to intentionally pick up my cross and, and I have to intentionally do these things when it's hard. And in, in the heat of the moment when things are all going crazy, I have to intentionally back up and say, who am I? I am a man following Christ. I'm going to pick up my cross today. And even though I want to tell her what, what she's what's for, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be gentle toward her. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait until she calms down and we're going to talk about this thing. I'm going to be intentional. We have to clothe ourselves with the things of Christ. He says, clothe yourselves with these things. You have to intentionally put them on. And as gospel-driven men and women, we have to intentionally pursue these things in the middle of conflict. He says, bear with one another. Bear with one another. Man, I'm telling you what, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when, as soon as junk hits the fan, I'm ready to just say, I'm out. Come on. You want to be real? How many of us know family members that don't talk to other family members because of something that happened 20 years ago? I mean, I I grew up in that lifestyle where where we just, we we brawled and we fought and we we fussed and we didn't talk to each other for years. But but see, the thing is, is if we're men and women that are are truly driven by the gospel, then then I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to give up on you. Even if you give up on me, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to bear with you. I'm not going to cut ties with you. But I'm going to choose to deal with the issue that's dividing us. See, even though if you're, if, you have, if you're in conflict with someone that is not a Christian, you as a follower of Jesus, is still, you're still, your responsibility is still to pursue reconciliation. We don't want to talk about that because it's dirty. It's hard, but that's our job. Not bearing with one another. Dealing with conflict starts with us recognizing that there's an issue, Right? If we keep pushing things under the, under the see, if we keep sweeping things under the rug, eventually we're going to trip over the rug. We've got to recognize, hey, there's a problem here. And then we have to admit. It's one thing to recognize, but it's another thing to admit. Because admit it means fault. I admit that there's an issue. There's fault somewhere. But you see, when I admit there's an issue, then, then, that's when you got to realize if, they, if I'm a man or woman following Jesus, then if there's sin there, then I have to deal with it. I have to repent from it. I have to ask forgiveness of it so we can move past it. Amen? Is making sense? And so if, if we're not dealing with recognizing, recognizing the problem, admitting that there's an issue, and dealing with the sin, we're going to keep spinning our wheels because you're never seeking You're never seeking it. Verse 13 says this. It says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive one another. 
if someone has a grievance against you. <laughs> I don't know how many times that I know that people have had issues with me. I know, it's hard to believe, ain't it? It's just hard to believe. But problems, people have the issues with me, and you know what I've said? I was like, that's their problem. I ain't do nothing wrong. That's their problem. That's between them and Jesus, because I didn't do nothing. But God really convicted me a, a couple years ago of like, you know what, Jeremy? It doesn't matter if you did anything or not. You are a tool of reconciliation because of what God, what Christ has done on the cross. So you have to pursue. It says bear one another, not cutting them off. You have to pursue those things. Pursue a solution. You have to take action. And these things are hard. But God's telling us that we've got to take action. Right? Matthew 5, verse 9, it's in the Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now notice he didn't say the peacekeepers, did he? Instead of peacemakers. See, often we want to keep the peace. Let's keep the peace. Let's just be quiet. Let's just don't say nothing. Let's just don't, don't say nothing. Just let's keep the peace. Keeping the peace is like a, whole, it's a ticking time bomb. You can only keep the peace so long. And eventually it's going to explode. Because keeping the peace doesn't fix the issue. It's just allowing it to continue. But blessed are the peacemakers taking action, actually going and pursuing peace, right? I'm actually going and pursuing and we'll find out what the issue is. When I know that someone has something against me, you know what Jeremy does? Jeremy goes and he gets his Bible. And I go to that person. And I'm going to look, I don't know what's going on, but I just sense there's something going on between me and you. And, and here's what the Bible says about that. And I open the Bible up. And this is what God's word says. So I, if, if you have a problem with me, let's get this right tonight. I'm coming to make peace. I'm not coming to, to, to call you out. I'm not calling to say you're, you're an idiot for thinking and feeling the way you feel. I'm coming to figure out what's wrong. Same thing in my relationship with my wife. When something's going on, I have to go and say, baby, what's going on? What's happening? Let, let's, let's make this, let me make peace with you in this. Let's not just, I don't want to keep living under the same roof and acting like everything's fine when everything's not. I did that. We did that for three years. Masking it. Everything was good. We come home and we'd be like just smiling at the neighbors. We shut the door and go and wouldn't talk again until the next morning. You know why? Because if we spoke to each other, somebody was going to try to kill somebody that night. So we just sit there, and, 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 and she knew that, too, because she would watch Hallmark Channel. Turn on the Hallmark, I'm like, <clears throat> you know Bone Collectors is on. You know that, and you're going to turn to dog on Hallmark. She looked at him, she's like, either you're going to watch it, or you ain't. sit there and watch, stew on it, be mad. We wouldn't ever deal with the issue. But then when we started really pursuing peace, 
we realized how silly the last three years had been because we could have fixed so many issues if we would have just talked about it. And there's a lot of relationships that a lot of us have outside of the marriage that could be reconciled if we would just be bold enough to go and be godly people and say, look, I'm a man following after God and I want to please God and I know that this right here doesn't please God, so how can we fix it? Because this is what God's word says about about problems, about issues. And, And if I feel like you have an issue against me, I want us to fix it. What can I do? What have I done? And sometimes it takes you apologizing for things that you didn't even know you did. Because sometimes people take offense because of their past, not because of what you did. And we have to pursue those things. It says, blessed are those who make peace. Peacemakers. We have to actively be intentionally trying to make peace. And, it's, and if you're in a relationship, if you're married, it's an ongoing, it's an everyday process. There's always going to be things that you're going to rub. There's going to be issues that happen, and you have to strive to make peace. Amen? Anybody been, here, been married long enough that they can attest to that? Amen? All right. See, I ain't lying. You have to be intentional with it, because if you don't, it will give Satan an opportunity to get in your relationship and get a foothold and cause confusion cause hurt, cause bitterness, and if it stays there long enough, it's hard to overcome unless you both are committed to getting rid of it. Verse 13 says, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. So the other way of dealing with conflict is asking for forgiveness, admittance of wrong. Come on, man, we got to do that sometimes, don't we? I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm I'm wrong. I didn't mean to do that. Asking for forgiveness, but also, how about how good, how well do we receive forgiveness? See, in dealing with comfort, we also have to receive forgiveness from someone else. What happens is we may ask for forgiveness, but the condemnation is on our shoulders, so we're walking condemnation. We never have truly received the forgiveness. That's why a lot of our walks with Christ is still not flourishing because we can't get over the past. We're still walking in who we once were instead of walking in who we are. Y'all with me? So we can't walk in a relationship with Jesus in a, in a vibrant relationship with Christ because we're still holding on to what mama did when we were 12. Instead of walking in who Jesus says I am right now. We're still holding on to everything that happened yesterday. We're still holding on to the issues in my marriage yesterday instead of realizing that those things are forgiven and forgotten and I need to press on to the prize ahead. See, we need to learn how to receive forgiveness. It's easy to say, I'm sorry. It's another thing to walk in forgiveness and walk away from the past, walk away from the issue. Paul says, I look not at the things behind me, but I look on to the prize ahead. We need to understand that what happened yesterday don't matter today. Only thing, Satan wants you to constantly remember the past so that he can have an anchor on you so you can't go to the future. And if he can keep you dwelling in the past long enough, your relationship with God will be stale and stagnant. Your relationship with your partner, with your, mar- with your marriage, with your wife, those things, it will stay in the past. It will stay bitter. It will stay hurtful because you can't get over yesterday. we got to learn to receive that forgiveness. And the only way you can do that is pressing, on to God, pressing into God. I don't know about y'all, but I can remember hurt. 
And I think I'm mad, if I think on it enough, I'm just as mad as I was when it happened. Can I get an amen? If I think about it, and that's why God's saying, that's why, that's why Paul's saying, you've got to, got to stop focusing on what lies behind you, but you need to focus on Christ. Because when I focus on Jesus, it's so easy for me to walk away from the hurts of yesterday. Because everything that happened yesterday fails in comparison to the glory of God. When I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus, all that stuff doesn't matter. All the stuff that happened in my past doesn't matter when I'm looking at Christ. Church, I'm telling you, our perspective needs to change because if we would just get this down and realize, look, I'm pursuing Jesus. You may offend me today, but tomorrow I'm not going to be offended because I am got my eyes fixed on Christ. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm, 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 I can't wait to dine with my Jesus. I can't wait to sit at the table with Christ and be in his presence every day. I'm not letting you and your, your unforgiveness hold me back. I'm not letting you and your pettiness hold me back. I'm not going to let you and your shallowness hold me back. I'm going to step into this and I'm going to forgive you even though maybe you don't deserve it. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to extend forgiveness even though you don't ask for it. I'm coming up in your crib and I'm going to ask you to forgive me when you hate my guts because Jesus is more worthy than me walking in self-preservation. When we are men and women that are motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will go and do radical things like that. That's what it's called, church. It's for us to take action. I'm telling you, when I go in someone's house, I, when I go, and I'm not in someone's house, I go with someone I know has got an issue, I go straight to Matthew 5, and I read verse 24 and 23. I'll sit down and I'll say, look, it says, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar and, there, and then you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go be reconciled to them and then come back. You see, if someone has something against you and you know it, it hinders your worship, church. It hinders your relationship with Jesus. That's why reconciliation is so important. So when I, when I know that someone has something against me, some days I feel like I'm going putting out fires. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just like putting out fires. I'm going this. Per I'm, I'm, I'm quoting this verse three times a day because people are offended easily. Maybe they just get offended at me, but it, it, people are offended easily. And so, but we have to be intentional, right? Do y'all believe this thing is is God's word? Do y'all believe God says that everything that God says that we should do? Y'all believe Jesus is the Savior? Hey, those, those words I just read, they were, they were written in red. That means big man J.C. said those words. Y'all with me? Jesus Christ, our Savior, the author and the finisher of our faith, he's the one that said those words. It wasn't, no, it wasn't what Paul thought. This is what Jesus said. So if somebody has something against you, then you need to go and pursue them, go to them. Man, how many marriages would be saved if they would just, you just back up and be like, look, I know I, know I probably messed up, but look, I'm, I'm coming to you. What can I do to fix this? Really, really abandoning me. And, I, and, and, and you, even though you may have some selfish motives, don't say that, by the way, but in your mind, thinking that, 
You may have some selfish motives, but you know what? I am going to be Jesus. I'm going to be walking in Jesus. I'm going to be Jesus Christ. I'm going to walk in this situation. And you may have an offense, but I'm going to take it because unity is more important than my self-preservation. Unity is more important than how I feel about me. Unity is more important because it is I who have died and Christ who lives in me. Amen? That's the gospel. We have to be gospel-driven people. See, this whole process, church, is, is walking with God is refining. It's refining. It's, it's, it's taking the choice. I'm going to live for Christ, and I'm going to die to me. It's refining. You know what? When I have to go and come to someone that I know that I haven't done anything wrong to and apologize, that is extremely humbling. You don't understand how hard that is. You may do understand how hard it is. But for me, I mean, all the way there, I'm like, God, this ain't right. God, this ain't right. I'm complaining. But, but when I get there, I feel, I go and I, 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 I get done with it and I get in the car and I'm coming home and I'm just crying because it's like, God, I got an opportunity to really see you move in a situation that I would not have seen if I would have sat up on my prideful behind at home saying, when they're ready to get it right, they'll come to me. When I know that there's issues, me, my, my, me, my wife, me and Sabrina, we have an awesome relationship, but that don't mean that we don't have hiccups every now and then. And both of us have learned that we have to come to a place and be like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's don't ignore this. And that most of the time I got to ask for forgiveness when I didn't do nothing wrong. But I'm just playing. But it's, 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 it's truly wanting to follow Jesus. See, from the moment we decide to follow Jesus, church, it's the point in which I'm denying me and I'm promoting him. I'm denying me. And see, it's the hardest thing that we ever have to do is for us to deny us to follow Christ. And, and, and conflict is one of those things. We don't want to admit any wrong. We don't want to take any blame. We don't want to, we don't want to fix something that we didn't think we caused. What about if we did cause it? Are we, are we man enough or woman enough to go and address it and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Let's move on from this. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll do whatever it need, I need to do to make this right. Do we have that heart? See, John 3.30 says that he must increase and I must decrease, right? In order for me to do that, I have to be walking with Jesus and him increasing. See, see some of you right now... You just making that attempt to go and fix a problem, fix an issue that's been, that's been going on for years is the opportunity for you to increase in Jesus and decrease in yourself. That process don't happen overnight. It's not like when the moment you get saved, Jesus puts the needle in you and starts sucking you out of you. No, it's a process. I wish it was that easy. But you have to be engaged and actively pursuing God. And the more you pursue God, the less of you you will pursue. That makes sense. Matthew 10. Continue to talk about how we continue to deal, how we deal effectively with, with forgiveness. But it talks about us taking up our cross and following him daily. And, and church, if we're not intentional with our walk with Jesus, we're not going to be intentional with handling conflict. And if I'm not picking up my cross every day saying, you know what, it's not about me. Because when I pick that cross up, that's what it's, I'm telling myself. It ain't about me today, Jeremy. This is about Jesus. I'm picking this thing up and I'm walking with it. 
See, if I'm walking with the cross, let me tell you a little something about that cross that Jesus was carrying. It wasn't this little thing you carry on your necklace. This thing was long. This thing was heavy. Let me tell you what. Jesus knew it was back there. Y'all with me? He was aware of the cross every step that he took. Now, the cross that we carry is not burdensome because Jesus already took the penalty of that away. But see, when we pick up our cross and follow him, it's the awareness of every day that we are carrying I'm laying me down, and I'm carrying Jesus with me. I'm carrying the author of my faith with me. I'm taking every step. So I might not have the power in me to fix this problem, but through him and through this cross, what his cross means, I can. Church, I'm telling you. We're in our group meeting, our connect group. We had a guy in there put something the other day. That, man, and he, don't, he didn't know that it, it, it really... I was writing this message, and he puts this in. He says that he had an opportunity to share the gospel with a guy, and I forget the whole story, but when, when he was riding home, he said, God spoke to him. He said, did you leave your cross at home? Did you leave your cross at home? And, man, that spoke to me so deep. Because we think that when we follow Jesus and we accept salvation, that that's when we pick up our cross and we follow him. But it's you got to pick it up every day and be intentional with it. Some of us need to pick up that cross today and come to our spouse and say, you know what, I'm sorry for how I've treated you over the years. I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused you. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Maybe you picking your cross may encourage them to pick theirs up. Maybe it's time for us to pick up our crosses this morning and go to our brothers or our sisters or our mamas or our daddies or maybe a coworker that we've hurt along the way and go ask for forgiveness because of what Jesus has done in us. Church, the gospel gives us this awesome example of how reckless abandonment looks. How we recklessly abandon myself and I'm promoting the Creator. I'm promoting Christ. Taking up our cross daily. Living it out the gospel every single day. Handling problems of life the way Jesus would handle problems. Walking by the Spirit, as God's Word says. Church, and I'm going to close on this. But how we handle conflict shows where our walk is with Jesus. How we handle issues in our marriages shows our maturity in Christ. And often my issue with my wife sometimes shows how there's so much more of me in me than I want to admit. But relationships is what hone us is what shapes us and what molds us into the image of Christ because doing life with other flawed believers helps us see our insufficiencies. But one of the biggest things is our pride that keeps us from dealing with our issues. Pride of not wanting to admit that we're wrong. Passive pride, not wanting to deal with the problems. Was it saying back in James 4, chapter 6, I mean chapter 6, verse Chapter 4, verse 6, it says that he resists the proud, but he promotes the humble, right? That means that we should be humble servants. We should be humbly 
looking for opportunities to fix problems, fix situations, and not standing. Church, I'm telling you, that's why we're miserable. If you're in a relationship and you're miserable, you're miserable because you're hanging on to things that you don't need to hang on to. You're miserable because you're hanging on to the past. You're hanging on to 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 relationships. Church, I'm telling you, so many people are tired and they're frustrated because they are not being reconciled. They're not being reconciled to God. They're not allowing God to reconcile their relationships. They're not allowing God to change their marriages. And we need to be people who take up our cross and we pursue peace, church. We pursue peace every day. That we choose to turn away from, from the world, how the world deals with our problems, but yet we replace it with the gospel. Amen? We replace it with the gospel. And I know this is hard. And I know this isn't popular to be preached on. But the reality is, is our complacency is killing us. Our marriages are, are, are just, man, it's, it's, God, has, God wants your marriage to be so much more fulfilling than what it is. But you have to choose Jesus over yourself. You have to choose. To, God, I, I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. How he gave himself up for her. I want to give up my rights to be mad right now. And I want to fix whatever's going on. And, and, and women the same way. God's called us to be this glorious representation to the world of what sacrificial love is all about. But we stand on the mountain of our own pride and selfishness and we refuse to come down. Pride kills relationships. Pride will kill your relationship with God. And maybe it's today, church, that that we individually, we pursue maybe reconciliation with God. Because your relationships can be so jacked up to where you've pushed everybody away. And the reason you're standing by yourself is because you won't accept who you are. You even push God away. Maybe today is the day that you come and you say, God, I want, I'm sorry. Forgive me. The reason I'm running from you is because I keep thinking about yesterday. Maybe today is the day that you leave yesterday where it is and you move on. Amen. See, church, I'm telling you that we have to pursue God so he can reconcile us to other people. That he can reconcile us to himself. I pray that God will call you today to reclaim your marriage, that he would call you to reclaim relationships that that you've lost over the years because of issues. I pray today that God will call you to a place to where you reclaim that passion you once had. And I challenge you to apply what God's word says to your situation right now. Everybody close your eyes. As we begin to close, worship team, you can come up. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to honestly search your heart right now. Like David. David cried out to God, he searched my heart, oh God, if you find any wicked way about me. Lord, bring it to my remembrance so that I may turn from it. And so if you can honestly say today that I've got contempt in my heart towards someone or I know someone 
this, this, this upset with me, this guy's contempt against me, this, this angry with me about something. Can you just slip your hand up? You know that you got issues. Put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. you to really think about how glorious your marriage would be if you would be more submitted to God if you would stop worrying about being right as much and start being godly if you're here today and you're like you know what I want my marriage to be a marriage of reconciliation I want my marriage to be a marriage that I'm not standing on, on me but I'm standing on Christ I want my marriage centered on Christ you would raise your hand. Slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. See, sometimes we have to engage and really think before we act on God's word. And so I'm fixing to open the altars up. And if you've raised your hand, and if you, even if you didn't, if you didn't feel comfortable enough to raise your hand, I want you to come and let's pray. Let's pray and seek God and say, God, help me become the man you call me to be for my spouse. Help me deal with with. with the conflict that we have. Help me deal with, with issues that we have. Help me, God, Lord, reveal to me the barriers that are holding us back from being the couple you called us to be. Maybe today you, that, that you're not married and you're like, God, show me the flaws in me so that I can be the spouse in which I need to be for my future husband, for my future wife. Maybe right now you need to come to this altar and say, God, help me reconcile my relationship with my mama. Help me reconcile my relationship with my daddy. Help me reconcile my relationship with my brother or my sister. Because we've been walking in bitterness and hate for so long. God, help me reconcile these issues. Maybe it's even a child. Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, God, I'm just give, me, give me the desire to be that man, that woman that, that, is, that, that I'm, I want to be a peacemaker. I don't want to just back up and be a peacekeeper. Maybe you need God to, to give you that courage this morning. But how we respond to the word preached often shows how much we take God serious. So let's be people to take God serious. Father God, we come to you right now. And God, we pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but God, we'd be doers. I pray, Father, that, Lord, even in the hardest of things that we don't want to deal with. I pray, Father, that you would make us people who are driven by your gospel, that we're driven by the salvation that you've given us, that we're driven, Lord, by the heart you have for us. And, God, we want to please you more than anything else. So, God, we beg you today. God, bring us to a place of repentance. Bring us, God, to a place of humility. Bring us to a place of awareness. God, change our hearts so we can love people the way you love us.